When you visit a state as big and diverse as Texas, there are a million different trips you can take. Let's say you've got an appetite for whitewater kayaking. You can get your own. So this is why they call it Devil's River. Trip to Texas. Or maybe you have an actual appetite. I'll take a pound of brisket, six ribs, uh, three links of sausage, and a, a piece of pecan pie. Trip to Texas. Go to TravelTexas.com slash get your own for the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. Travel is great, but planning for travel can be time-consuming and difficult. That's where One Travel comes in. With One Travel, you'll find everything you need to book the perfect trip. Flights, hotels, cars, transportation, it's all right there. With One Travel, you can book online, via app, or even pick up the phone and talk to a travel advisor ready to help you make your selections. Visit onetravel.com slash music or call 855-437-2154. Plan it, book it, live it. One Travel. Grammar Girl here, I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. Writing, history, rules, and cool stuff. Today, I have some of that cool stuff because we'll talk about a special quirk of Australian English that people use when they're telling exciting stories or relaying crime reports. And we'll talk about a slightly controversial way of using the word hopefully. A listener named Milton asked why Australians use the present perfect tense for the past tense. For example, he said Australians would say, he has skulked, instead of he skulked. That's the present perfect tense, the verb has or have, combined with the past participle, has skulked. And somewhat confusingly, even though it's called the present perfect tense, it's usually used to talk about something that happened at an unspecified time in the past. I've spent significant time with a few Australians over the years. My lab mate in grad school was from Adelaide, and a good friend is married to a man from Sydney, and we all worked together at a startup. But I had never noticed them doing what Milton described, so I knew I had to look into it more. First, although you'll find some sources on the internet that say it's a myth that Australians talk this way, papers published in the Australian Journal of Linguistics by Dulcie Engel and Maria Eve Ritz in 2000 and in the journal Linguistics in 2008 found that Australians do use the present perfect tense in more situations than people from other English-speaking countries. But let's look at the data about British English and American English first. Americans are much less likely to use the present perfect tense than the British. And a radio caller actually brought this up when I was on WOSU in Ohio last week. We just don't seem to say it. For example, a 1974 book by Frank Palmer called The English Verb said that while the British would use the present perfect tense and ask before dinner, have you washed your hands? An American was much more likely to use the simple past and ask, did you wash your hands? In fact, researchers trying to study the use of the present perfect tense in speech had to rely solely on British examples because their database of spoken American English didn't have any examples. And according to Engel and Ritz, many other studies have also found this difference between British English and American English. Okay, so people in these two countries use the present perfect tense differently. What else do we know? Well, it turns out that in at least some cases, people who speak Australian English use the present perfect tense even more than British people do, and they use it in an even more different way. 
The paper has lots of examples from radio shows, but this one stood out to me as one that, as an American, I would definitely never say this way. After the collision, the vehicle has sped off. I would say the vehicle sped off, but in Australian English, it's apparently not uncommon to hear something like "has sped off." The difference is that if you remember what I said before, that the present perfect tense is usually used to describe something that happened at an unspecified time in the past. Now Australians are using it to describe something that did happen at a specific time, after the collision. Here's another example from Engel and Ritz's paper that uses the present perfect tense with a specific time. A person on the radio said, "He has now met with heirs this morning." Again, that's a very specific time. This morning, they also note that the use of the present perfect, such as has sped and has met, is especially common in police reports of crimes. Here's part of another example from a crime report on a radio station. A 15-year-old boy was on his way to school. As he reached the steps leading to the shops, he has been tapped on his shoulder. As he has turned around, a young man has punched him. I actually had to record that a few times because it's so hard for me as an American to say that way. This type of phrasing is also especially common in narratives, and even more especially in the parts of the stories that people want to show are especially important or exciting. The researchers also compare this type of wording to what we call the historical present in American English, which we also use when we're telling a story or laying out a narrative, like the police do when they're describing a crime. The historical present is when we tell a story about the past, but use the present tense, as in Abraham Lincoln walks into the theater and takes his seat. And the researchers finished with some examples that really surprised me, and I think will surprise you too, at least if you're not Australian. So you know that sometimes when we're talking casually to friends, we might use the words "go" or "went" instead of "said," especially when we're telling a story and are using the historical present, like Ardvart goes, "Don't you touch my fishing pole," and Squiggly goes, "Give me a break! I haven't taken it in years." But then Squiggly does take it. Well, in Australian English, the researchers found examples of people using "go" and "went" like this in place of "said," but with "has" and "have" like the present perfect tense. Here's one of their examples from a radio show. I've said, "How much is this?" You know what? He's gone. He's gone, mate. I'll tell you what. And then this is what he's gone. He's gone. Listen to this. He's gone. I had to get my neighbor. I'm not sure what's actually going on in that story, but it's definitely not a use of the present perfect tense that I think you'd hear in American English. So Milton was right. Australians do use the present perfect tense more often and differently from Americans, especially in crime reports and when they're telling exciting stories. As to why they do it, researchers think that, at least in some cases, the use of the present perfect in storytelling quote makes the narration more vivid and instructs the hearer to imagine that she or he is there now unquote. They also say quote part of the answer may lie in the extensive use of an informal style in Australia, in particular in the media and the radio more specifically. With presenters making use of further devices to attract their listeners' attention and to express a sense of solidarity with them, unquote.
Finally, they say that the use of the present perfect tense is a particularly active area of language change, and that it can be ambiguous, and that Australian English is farther along than American English in adopting this new use of that particular tense. This also explains why it's not such an easy answer when people who are learning English as a second language want to know when they should use the present perfect tense. When should they say he has skulked instead of he skulked? The answer, at least in part, depends on where you live and which version of English you're trying to learn. And now onto the word hopefully. Let's start with some background. For centuries, the word hopefully meant in a hopeful manner. For example, the Scottish writer Robert Louis Stevenson wrote in his essay El Dorado, "To travel hopefully is a better thing than to arrive," meaning that enjoying the journey, traveling with a hopeful disposition, is better than getting to your destination. Hopefully plays the role of an adverb in that sentence. It's modifying the verb travel the same way adverbs like quickly or frugally would. You could travel quickly, travel frugally, or travel hopefully. And <laughs> traveling hopefully sounds like more fun. But words can take on new uses over time. And in the 1960s, people started using hopefully to mean "I hope" or "We hope," as in "Hopefully we'll get to go on vacation this year." It became trendy. In that sentence, hopefully is playing the role of a sentence adverb. Hopefully means I'm hopeful that we'll get to go on vacation this year. In that kind of sentence, hopefully is just like the sentence adverbs thankfully, mercifully, and fortunately. You see, adverbs modify verbs, but they can also modify other adverbs, or as they do in this case, whole sentences. Hopefully, we'll get to go on a vacation this year. Is just like thankfully we'll get to go on a vacation this year, and fortunately we'll get to go on a vacation this year. The American Heritage Dictionary has useful entries called usage notes that tell you when a word is controversial, and they note that people are illogical in their objection to hopefully being used as a sentence adverb. They do usage surveys, and they find that people aren't bothered by sentence adverbs in general. Very few people object to mercifully being used as a sentence adverb. For example, people object only to hopefully being a sentence adverb. It seems to be special in a bad way, and the only explanation American Heritage can muster is that people didn't like hopefully at first because it was trendy, and then even after the trendiness wore off and hopefully became ubiquitous in everyday speech, which it is, language sticklers held on to their objection as more of a marker of who knows how to use English than for any logical reason. David Minthorn, the former deputy standards editor for the AP Style Book, said he was surprised at the attention they received a few years ago when they decided to change the hopefully entry and say it was fine to use it at the beginning of a sentence as a sentence adverb to mean "I am hopeful that something will happen." They were prepared for the attention they got from past changes, such as dropping the hyphen from email. But he said, "Quote: We didn't anticipate the amount of interest that change of hopefully generated." But we're pleased that people who care about words and usage are commenting about it. Unquote. There's only one problem with "hopefully" as a sentence adverb, though. Occasionally, it can be ambiguous. For example, what does this sentence mean? Hopefully, Squiggly asked Dad if we can go to Disneyland. It could mean the writer is hopeful that Squiggly asked, or it could mean that Squiggly asked in a hopeful manner. 
In practice, though, this problem doesn't come up a lot. Usually context makes the meaning clearer, and if there is an instance where intolerable confusion will ensue, just don't use hopefully. There's no reason to throw the baby out with the bathwater. In most cases, the meaning is clear, especially when the sentence isn't about a person. Hopefully, the expedition will be approved. Nobody's going to think the expedition is hopeful. Hopefully, it won't snow. Nobody's going to think the weather is hopeful. Even when there's a human or mammalian subject, context usually makes the meaning clear. We don't have chips to go with the salsa? Hopefully, Aardvark is getting chips on his way home. Everyone knows that the writer is hopeful Aardvark will show up with chips. You're obviously not required to use hopefully in this way, and I do still occasionally hear from people who object to such use. Still, most current sources now say it's fine, or at least grudgingly accept it. For example, in a previous edition of Garner's Modern English Usage, Garner called fighting this use of hopefully a lost cause. And in the most recent edition, he now says the battle is lost and that the new meaning of hopefully is now part of American English, and the word has, quote, all but lost its traditional meaning, unquote. I feel confident predicting that in 20 or 30 years, people will be surprised to learn that it was ever controversial to use hopefully as a sentence adverb, and will think we were quite silly for getting all worked up about it. Depending on how you feel about hopefully, you can take comfort in that prediction or gnash your teeth. Finally, I have a familect story that plays to my memories of German class in high school. Hi, Grandma Girl. This is Brian. Love your show. I have a familect story um, that some friends of mine and I have used since high school. In our German class in high school, we were watching a vocabulary video that took place in a restaurant uh, with a recurring character named Claudia, who was out to eat with her uncle Stefan. And after we watched the video, the teacher of the class was telling us that some part we may have missed was that Uncle Stefan left a very big tip uh, and did this to try to impress Claudia. And she said, Uncle Stefan hat das Geld, which means, yeah, Uncle Stefan has the money. And everybody got a big laugh out of that. And ever since then, my friends and I have always used Uncle Stefan to mean that you're going to pay for someone uh, when we go out together. So sometimes if a friend says, hey, do you want to go out this Wednesday? Uh, and you'll say back to them, well, money's a little tight right now, but if Uncle Stefan's going, I'm there. And then our friend knows that means I'll go with you as long as you're picking up the tab. Thanks so much. Love the show. Bye. Thanks, Brian. If you want to share your familect story, you can leave a voicemail at 833214-GIRL, and you might hear it on the show. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. You can find me at the home of my podcast network, quickanddirtytips.com. While you're there, check out the latest episode from Nutrition Diva about how iron deficiency may be causing you to lose your hair. Thanks to my producer, Nathan Sams, and that's all. Thanks for listening. When you visit a state as big and diverse as Texas, there are a million different trips you can take. Let's say you've got an appetite for whitewater kayaking. You can get your own. So this is why they call it Devil's River. Trip to Texas. Or maybe you have an actual appetite. 
I'll take a pound of brisket, six ribs, uh, three links of sausage, and a, a piece of pecan pie. Trip to Texas. Go to TravelTexas.com slash get your own for the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. Travel is great, but planning for travel can be time-consuming and difficult. That's where One Travel comes in. With One Travel, you'll find everything you need to book the perfect trip. Flights, hotels, cars, transportation, it's all right there. With One Travel, you can book online, via app, or even pick up the phone and talk to a travel advisor ready to help you make your selections. Visit onetravel.com slash music or call 855-437-2154. Plan it, book it, live it. One Travel.